Depending on who you ask, Notre Dame's defensive line might be the biggest question mark on the entire team heading into 2023. But are the concerns about this group justified? That's next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into Locked On Irish. Today is Tuesday, August 8th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. You can watch this episode on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are watching on YouTube, you'll notice I got a new addition to the home studio. Um, Shout out Irish Woodworks for both the pieces I got here. They've got a great collection of wall art and other cool stuff around the house. So if you haven't heard of them, go check them out. They're not even a sponsor on this show. I just really like their product. Um, I'm Tyler Wojcik and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 18, and I've been podcasting about the football team since 2020. I'm also a producer covering college football at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And this episode of Lockdown Irish is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get into it. Um, today's podcast is going to focus almost entirely on the Notre Dame defensive line. The unit has been a strength for the Irish for years, but going into 2023, I think it's the biggest concern, to be honest with you. And I think that sentiment is shared among the fans and the media. Um, so I'm going to dive into the depth chart as I understand it today. Again, that might change. Notre Dame has not released an official depth chart or anything like that, but I think we have a good idea of how that rotation is going to shake out. I'm going to look at the returning production and try to figure out if these concerns are justified. Then in segment two, I'll take a look at how we got to this point by going over some trends that I've noticed and how Notre Dame has recruited the position uh, in recent cycles. And we'll wrap things up by looking ahead to the future to see who the staff has committed and uh, how defensive line recruiting can improve down the road. But let's start by looking at what is projected to be the starting four defensive linemen for Notre Dame in 2023. At strong side end, you've got Nana Osafa Mensa, uh, nose tackle Howard Cross the third, and at defensive tackle Ryan Mills, who's moved over from uh, strong side end is what he played last season, although he kind of played a mix of both. But now he is at his natural position at defensive tackle. And then at Viper, you've got Jordan Batello. But as we know, Notre Dame does like to rotate quite a bit on the defensive line. So I say they're, they're backups, but I imagine that they're going to be involved quite a bit. So the second unit, uh, at least the one that's been trotted out there in practice so far in camp, at least from what the media has seen, at strong side end, you've got Javante Jean-Baptiste, the Ohio State transfer, at nose tackle Jason Anye, the redshirt sophomore, Defensive tackle, it's looking like Gabriel Rubio, another retro sophomore as well. And then at Viper, uh, Junior Tui Halamaka, who's actually a converted linebacker. And then there's some other guys in the mix who figure to be a part of the rotation this year, but they might not be on like the two deep necessarily. Uh, you've got Tyson Ford, the retro freshman at defensive tackle. Um, and then at Viper, Josh Burnham, retro freshman, also a converted linebacker in the same class as Junior Tui Halamaka. And then there's true freshman Brendan Vernon. Um, he figures to be in there as well. The reports about him have been really positive so far. I'll admit it's uh, been somewhat of a surprise to me. I was a little bit of a doubter on him uh, once he entered college, but it looks like he's a dog, especially in the weight room, and is really trimmed down. So he might force his way onto the field in 2023, which would be a very interesting development because Notre Dame could sure use a breakout freshman at this position. It could be at end. It could be on the inside. It doesn't really matter if Brendan Vernon comes on and is the Benjamin Morrison of 2023. That'd be great. That could really change the expectations for this group and the defense as a whole. And then some guys 
uh, who are probably on the outside looking in right now, Armel Mukum and Bubakor uh, Traore, they're true freshmen as well. And then Aiden Gobaira, retro freshman. I think he's still uh, probably a year away before he sees the field consistency. So if you look at this group, uh, they have a lot to replace last year. Obviously, it starts with Notre Dame's career sack leader in Isaiah Foskey, but it does not end there. Notre Dame also lost the Adamiola twins this offseason to the NFL. So they have to replace 17 sacks, 22 and a half tackles for loss, and 113 total tackles from last season alone that came from just that trio. And that's a lot to replace. And frankly, that unit was a little disappointing last season, so it wasn't that great. And then they have to replace a lot of that production. So I, I can see why some fans look at this group and they're like, wait a second, what's going on here? But oddly enough, if you look at the stats from last season, they were actually tied for 13th in the country with five other teams. So they're like 13 to 18th uh, in total sacks last season with 38. Personally, I was surprised to see them so high when I looked at it because it never really felt like Notre Dame was dominant. But that kind of tells you that sacks don't really tell the whole story when you're talking about a defensive line. Even though sacks are great, especially in big moments, getting consistent pressure on the quarterback is actually more important, in my opinion. And if you look at pro football focus, and I get it, all the caveats to throw them out there now about pro football focus and their grades and all that stuff, but I think they're really useful when it comes to looking up some advanced stats. But they did give Notre Dame a pass rush grade of 38th in 2022. And honestly, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think 38th is a better representation of where Notre Dame was last season on the defensive line. Really, the defense is old when it comes to, when it came to getting after quarterback compared to the 13th number. Uh, because I think the fact that Notre Dame was 13th might suggest that they were pretty close to being elite. And anyone who watched Notre Dame last season knows that the defensive line was not close to being elite. They were good, um, but they weren't really the dominant group that we thought they could be going into last season. So. If you, if you look at the defensive line in 2018, I think this is a good example of a group that was actually elite, that didn't register the amount of sacks that you might expect, but they did register that amount of pressure. So that 2018 group, man, they were elite. They had Julian Akwara, Khalid Kareem, and Jerry Tillery, just to name a few. And they were a major reason why that team ran the table during the regular season and eventually made it to the college football playoff. But that team only had 34 sacks. That's just one more than they had in 2022, but if you look at PFF again, that season in 2018, Notre Dame finished fourth in pass rush uh, because they pressured the quarterback 245 times during the regular season. Last year, Notre Dame pressured the quarterback 204 times. So you're starting to see the difference there. Yes, they only had one more sack, but they pressured the quarterback 41 more times. And obviously, if you pressure the quarterback more, you're going to make his life harder. He's going to be forced into more mistakes, more incompletions. And overall, it's still a big positive for the defense, even if you don't bring him down in the backfield. So in order for Notre Dame to make the college football playoff this season, which is what they aspire to do, they're going to have to be better than they were on the defensive line last season without three of their primary contributors. So that's why a lot of people have concerns about this group, because they need to be great and frankly None of the players in the defensive line have proven that they can be great yet. Now, there's obviously a few guys who we expect big things from in 2023, and it starts with Jordan Battelle. Uh, he's got to be unleashed this season. He was on the field last season. Uh, when he was on the field last season, he was really productive. He just wasn't on the field a whole lot. If you look at his snap count, he only had 79 snaps in the regular season. He had 45 in the bowl game and was an impact player, had a couple of sacks in that game. And you're like, okay. You see that and you start to think, okay, maybe next year he really takes that leap. But he's going to be counted on in a big, big way this season for the Notre Dame pass rush. And I 
I have high hopes for him. Um, as Jamie Uyayama from Irish Sports Daily points out, Patello actually had a pass rush win percentage of 30.8 last season. And for comparison's sake, Tyree Wilson, the stud edge rusher from Texas Tech last season who went in the first round of the NFL draft, his pass rush win percentage was 33.7. So, yes, that's better than Patello, and Patello has to do it for a whole season, but it shows you that the potential that Patello has. If he's able to keep that number at, like, 31% all season long, he's going to be one of the best edge rushers in the entire country. It's a lot to ask for, obviously, and I would expect that number to dip slightly just because he's going to be on the field a lot more times and a lot more pass plays. But it shows you what he could do this season. But honestly, I'm starting to look at Javon Jean baptiste as underrated. He had four and a half sacks last season for Ohio State, including one in the college football playoff. And yes, I understand his pass rush percentage is a little bit lower. It's at 20.4%. But I think he's going to have a bigger role for Notre Dame this year. He's going to have a little bit more opportunities. And I think he's going to be in better circumstances than he was last season. Um, And Notre Dame is going to use him, even though he's the backup strong side end, I think he's going to be used in better spots than he was at Ohio State. As for Nano Safamensa, he's the starting strong side end, at least today. I think he's more of a run stopper. He's better at setting the edge, but it would gr- be great to see linebackers like Jalen Sneed and Maris Leofau come off the edge a little bit more, especially on third down and make some plays. I know Maris Leofau is not a fan favorite these days, but I always point to that game in 2020 against North Carolina when really all he had to do was blitz off the edge, and he was a force, man. He was violent, and he, every time he made contact, you're like, who is that dude? And it hasn't been the same sense, but I think that this year he's going to be in a better position coming off the edge a little bit more, rushing the passer. And then Jalen Sneed, we haven't seen a ton of his potential just yet, but he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He's an extremely uh, great athlete, so I think this season they'll, they'll be able to utilize him as well. And on the interior, I'm actually pretty confident in Riley Mills this year that he's going to be much better at his natural position. I mentioned before that he was playing strong side end last year, and I think that hurt his production. Um It's what Notre Dame needed at the time. It made sense to move him to the outside. And even though it's probably better for the unit as a whole, for him individually, his production went down. And I think that's a big reason why. Um, Physically, he's got all the tools. But he only had six TFLs last season. That is the same number as Tariq Bracey, the nickelback. You don't necessarily want your strong side end having the same number of tackles for loss as as a basically corner safety hybrid. But he needs to be closer. Uh, Mills, I'm saying, needs to be closer to about 10 tackles for loss this season. If he has more, great. But I think that's a fair number to shoot for. Uh, And I haven't even mentioned Howard Cross, which is probably a disservice to him because he's extremely consistent. He's reliable. He's a bit undersized. But I think he's one of the guys that you can absolutely count on to be a force in the middle. Um, Hopefully, he gets some help from Jason Anya. And that is going to lead me to my next point. Notre Dame needs several young guys even though Jason Anya isn't necessarily a young guy. He's an unproven player. So Notre Dame needs some guys who haven't necessarily proven a lot on the field on Saturdays to step up this season. And Jason Anya is great, um, or a great example of that, because he's been all the talk really since spring practice, honestly. He came in and uh, showed a lot of potential. He slimmed down. He looks a freak athlete in the middle, so that could be great. And then you've got Junior Tui Alamak and Josh Burnham. They're both backup Vipers and converted linebackers. But if they start making plays, that could be a huge for the dynamic of this group. And reports about Josh Burnham have been great. Al Washington has raved about him. The reporters who've been at practice have raved about him as well. And I've already mentioned Brennan Vernon is a dark horse. You've also got Gabriel Rubio. Uh, he came in with a lot of promise as a recruit. And he started to play a lot more during the second half of last year. And he had moments. He finished with four tackles for loss and limited action. So, I think it's totally fair to wonder how effective this group can be because we haven't seen it yet. So for the people on the outside who look at this group who maybe aren't locked into the Notre Dame day-to-day and they're like, whoa, what is this on the defensive line? They, They don't really have a lot of proven players. That's fair. 
And as for the young guys and the guys who haven't seen a lot of action on the field, it's hard to predict how well they're going to perform when their number is called on Saturdays in big moments. So what do we do when it comes to projecting how a player will do that we haven't seen much from? We take a look back at the recruiting rankings, and that's coming up right after this. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for you faster and for free. I used LinkedIn Jobs a couple years ago, and they made it easy to contact the hiring manager, learn more about a role, and eventually, I got the job I was looking for. LinkedIn also makes it incredibly easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions makes it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. We all know hiring people can be time-consuming, but adding the right team member can be invaluable to your business, and LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier than ever. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. Or if you're on the go and listening to the podcast, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe there as well. All right, now let's take a look back at how Notre Dame has recruited the defensive line over the years because I think that's going to give us a better idea of how we got to this point in the first place with the current construction of the Notre Dame defensive line. We start back in 2019, and this was a really, really strong class for Mike Elson back when he was the defensive line coach for Notre Dame under Brian Kelly. That year, Notre Dame signed Isaiah Foskey, Howard Cross, Nana Osafa-Mensa, Jacob Lacey, and Hunter Spears. And this was a really strong group. Obviously, the headliner is Isaiah Foskey. He became the career sack leader at Notre Dame. Howard Cross is a really solid player. Nana is solid and has become a clear leader. And even if they're in, even their misses weren't terrible, honestly, um, Lacey is a miss obviously because he transferred to Oklahoma, but he was a good player at Notre Dame and had a lot of potential to this day. I still don't understand why he decided to transfer after the fourth game last season and preserve that year of, of, of eligibility because he would have played a lot last season and he would have played a lot this season for Notre Dame. And it seemed like he really liked Notre Dame, but clearly not. He is now at Oklahoma Hunter Spears, um, really highly rated recruit, but unfortunately he had to medically retire from the game of football in 2021. So very unfortunate for him, but that's three hits and only two misses in that class for Notre Dame. Then you get to 2020 Notre Dame signed Jordan Batello, Riley Mills, Aiden Kayanana and Alexander Aaronsberger. Batello and Riley Mills were two top 150 players, but Batello was actually recruited to play linebacker. And for most of his career, he was sort of a tweener. You really didn't know where he was going to play on the field. His position really wasn't set in stone. Now he's found a home at Viper, and hopefully this year he breaks out now that he has not only the opportunity, but he's playing a position he's comfortable with and has experience at. Riley Mills, I talked about him. Ceiling is really high this season. Hopefully he reaches it. And then that, those are two misses there with uh, Aiden and Alexander. Alexander was always going to be a project out of Germany. He has since left the team, and it seems like Kay and I, and, uh, uh, he, even though he's still on the team, he's pretty much buried on the depth chart. I didn't even, didn't even mention him in segment one. Then we get to 2021, and Notre Dame only signed two. They got Gabriel Rubio and Jason Anye. Rubio was a good get, uh, number 17 defensive lineman in the class, but Jason Anye was a big reach. He was not in the top 600 recruits physically. Uh, there was a lot to like about him as a prospect, but I thought it was interesting that Notre Dame only signed two defensive linemen in that class. Then we get to 2022, different story. Notre Dame signed 
Tyson Ford, Donovan Heinish, and then they added Chris Smith in the transfer portal, and they converted Junior Tuiolamaka and Josh Burnham, who were recruited as linebackers, and Junior Tuiolamaka actually played linebacker his freshman season. They have both since conv- uh, they, have, they have both been converted to Vipers in the time since. So again, only two natural defensive linemen in this class, but this could end up being a really strong group. Uh, Ford was the highest ranked. Uh, of the defensive lineman, he was ranked 120th in the 24-7 sports composite. If you remember his recruitment, um, he was the one, I think Pete Samson wrote the article where he said that Tyson Ford basically had no co- communication with Brian Kelly uh, and was about to commit to Oklahoma. Notre Dame hires Marcus Freeman. Freeman comes in, saves the day, makes Ford a priority and gets him to commit to Notre Dame. And uh, that caused quite a stir in the Notre Dame media, especially towards Pete Samson, who's uh, now a friend of the program. So then we get to 2023 and we know about what happened here, right? This group, it's a good group. Uh, it could have been great. It could have been really great if they held on to Keon Keeley, who ended up being the number three overall prospect in the entire country, the number one defensive lineman. But he decided to uh, decommit and ended up at Alabama. So that being said, Notre Dame still had uh, a really quality haul last year. They added Bubacor Traore, the Viper, Armel Mukum, who they actually added once it became clear that they were going to lose Keeley, Devin Houston, Brendan Vernon, and they added Javante Jean-Baptiste from Ohio State in the transfer portal. Vernon was probably the biggest get at the time he committed, but then his stock dipped significantly during his senior season. There's a lot of different reasons, I think, for that. Um, he was a guy who, when when he first arrived on the scene at Menor, Ohio, uh, which is a really, really good public school program in Northeast Ohio, he started playing very early, um, which was really impressive at a program like that. And he had he didn't necessarily take the leap that you might have like hoped for when he was in high school, but still, it sounds like he has a lot of potential at Notre Dame. I really like Traore because he's a natural viper. Notre Dame had not recruited a natural viper in years. Uh, of all the guys I've listed, he's actually the only one to play the position uh, in high school. And then Mukum is a project, but he could end up being really good. They added him late, but his recruiting ranking has kind of skyrocketed a bit. And now I'm sure part of that is because Notre Dame started looking at him, but he just really hasn't played much football in his life. But I'm hopeful that, you know, when he's in the program for a few years, he develops, he learns the fundamentals, the technique, all that. And then his natural athleticism will hopefully carry him into being a really great player. But when I look at this in totality, I'm going to be honest, Notre Dame has not recruited the defensive line at an elite level over the past few cycles. They've tried to remedy some of those mistakes by moving players to the line, like Tuialamaka and Burnham, but it frankly, it just needs to be better. There has been a clear shift in strategy since Marcus Freeman and Al Washington have come on uh, to take more guys each cycle. We're starting to see that in 2023 and in 2024 as well. They're still taking developmental prospects. Uh, Mukum is a great example of that, and it's yet to be seen if they will work out. Jason Anye was a developmental prospect at the time as well, and this is a big, big year for him. We're really going to see, does he have it or does he not? Uh, so far, the signs have been pointing to him having a really good season as a reserve lineman, but we have to see it on Saturdays. In the transfer portal, they've done okay. Um, Chris Smith was good for depth purposes. I'm confident Jean-Baptiste will be very impactful for the Irish this season, but we just got to see it. It's great that they added an Ohio State transfer over a Harvard transfer on the defensive line. I will say that much. Um, But I have high hopes for him. And I think going forward, Nuren needs to get more classes like they did in 2019. Obviously, you're not going to get the career sack leader in every class. I know that. I get that. But I think shooting for one really great player and two quality starters in every single class on the defensive line is certainly attainable, especially at a place like Notre Dame. If they're serious about competing for national championships, which I believe they are, then they're going to have to start bringing in elite defensive line prospects on a yearly basis. That's a tall task. I get it, but it's required. It's part of the gig. If you want to be elite, look at the top schools, 
every year at the end of the year. It's Georgia. I, their entire defensive line is now going to start for the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that attainable for Notre Dame? Probably not. But Ohio State brings in a bunch of defensive line prospects every single year. Hell, Notre Dame has been in the running for a lot of them. Justin Scott, for example. Jason Moore last season is another example. So it's certainly on the table for Notre Dame. Yes, they have to get a little creative with some of the prospects. And I have no problem with them taking some of these developmental guys. I think Mookum could be great. Like, I don't have an issue when you go out and you recruit a guy who physically has everything you would hope for, who frankly hasn't even scratched the surface of what their potential could be. Yes, it's a risk because sometimes those guys never do end up figuring it out. But then there's other times like Ade Ugandeji where it works out great and then he ends up getting drafted uh, by the Falcons. So I, I, I think Notre Dame over the course of the last five years when they had Mike Elson and now with Al Washington sort of carrying that torch, Notre Dame has proven that they can develop quality defensive linemen, but it'd be a lot easier if they just brought in elite linemen and then they could develop those guys. And now you're talking about elite defensive lines year in and year out. Khalid Kareem was a big recruit. They got him over Alabama. And it's, you know, it's clear when you get guys like that more often than not, especially in the defensive line, it turns out well, and that's how you get into the college football playoff. And that's how you win on a year to year basis. So if we bring this all back to the beginning, when I asked, are the concerns justified about the defensive line? I think the concerns are totally fair. You're relying on the unknown, as I've mentioned. But I feel like Notre Dame has, a guy, has two guys in the starting lineup in Riley Mills and Howard Cross, who you know at worst are going to be of above average to like pretty damn good. I feel really good about that. Jordan Botello, who knows, okay? Um, if you told me at the end of the season that he had like nine or ten sacks, I'd be like, yep, I could totally see that. I could also see it not panning out where he just he's never able to be consistent. He gets burnt. He uh, doesn't set the edge properly. When he's allowed to just unleash and attack the quarterback and obvious passing downs, I think he's going to be great. But can he be an all-around edge rusher, someone who can set the edge on the run, who can be consistent in the run game? That's yet to be seen. Like, for as high as we all are on him, there's a reason that he didn't play that much last season. Now, again, a lot of players can make big leaps uh, from one season to the next, and I'm hopeful that Jordan Botello can as well. But I understand why there's concerns about this group. But to me, there's enough there. There's enough experience. Uh, adding Chavante Jean-Baptiste was so big for the experience part. I think that there's enough there that you can look at this group and say, all right, they're probably not going to be elite. They're probably not going to be the 2018 group. But I think it's totally reasonable to expect them to be better than they were last season. I know that they have to replace a lot of production. I mentioned the numbers already. 17 sacks, 22 and a half TFLs, and 113 total tackles. It's a lot. But look, Nareem's got some good players. They've recruited pretty well. Not as good as I'd like, but Jordan Botello, top 150. Riley Mills, top 150. Howard Cross wasn't top 150, but he's a really good player. And I think that there's enough there for this group to be good enough. And I feel really good about Notre Dame's linebackers, and I feel great about Notre Dame's corners. So I think that when these these groups work together, I feel like Notre Dame is in good position to have a really strong defense. And I don't think that the defensive line is going to be holding the team back from um, you know, being a really solid team. Is it going to be good enough to win a national championship? I would say no. But Notre Dame has other holes too. It's not just the defensive line. But I think I feel confident that this group is going to surprise some people this season. It doesn't come in with the same fanfare as the team did, or as the group did last season, and then they ended up being pretty disappointing. So maybe this year it'll be the flip side of that. This group kind of come in and surprise some people. And if that is the case, uh, then Notre Dame is going to be looking at maybe a nine to ten win season. To hey, maybe they are going to get to eleven. Maybe they are going to win two out of those three games. And they're going to be able to survive a scare against one of the teams who we've got as lesser opponents because they're able to get some key sacks there at the end. But 
That's it for the group in 2023. Coming up in segment three, we're going to look at how, at who Notre Dame is committed in 2024, how they stack up, and some of the top targets in the class of 2025. All right, let's look ahead to the future a little bit and see who Notre Dame has committed in the class of 2024 and 2025. And right now, in the current class of 2024, Notre Dame has Logan Thomas, Sean Siviano Jr., Bryce Young, son of Notre Dame legend and Hall of Famer Bryant Young, and Cole Mullins. This is a lot like last year in that this is another group that had the potential to be great, but they're going to have to settle for being just good right now, at least in terms of recruiting stars, all that, because Notre Dame missed out on two five stars and Justin Scott and Elijah rushing. We don't have to go over everything that happened there, but if Notre Dame was able to land one of them, we're probably talking about this group a lot differently. Personally, I really like Logan Thomas and I really like Cole Mullins. I know that Cole Mullins' recruiting ranking is a bit down right now. I expect that to change. Um, Bryce Young has the size. He could be really good. He obviously has really strong football pedigree in the family. He's got good genes, but definitely has to fill out before he becomes a factor at the college level. Sean Saviano Jr., frankly, I have no idea because he was a really lowly rated recruit, but his decision was down to Ohio State and Notre Dame. And Ohio State really wanted him. Don't get that twisted at all. I know that some Ohio State fans are like, oh, we didn't actually want him once he committed to Notre Dame. No. Actually, a lot of people thought he was going to commit to Ohio State. Notre Dame came in after the visit, really delivered. They got one, that one over the line. And uh, the staff seems to really like him. My favorite of the group is Logan Thomas. Yes, he's the highest-rated recruit, so a bit of a cop-out by me. But he is also, he's also a natural viper. I also like that he just transferred to play football in Northeast Ohio from Texas. I find that a little bit funny. But I have Northeast Ohio roots, so I respect that. He actually just transferred. I think the announcement came out yesterday. He's going to play at St. Edwards High School in Ohio uh, if you know anything about Ohio football, you know that St. Edwards is a really, really good high school. It's the same high school that Sean Crawford went to. And uh, I'm really excited to see him play this season. And um, yeah, he's a really talented prospect. He's a natural Viper. Again, Notre Dame has not recruited a lot of natural Vipers. So it's great that they can bring in uh, a guy like Logan Thomas, who I don't know if he's going to play right away. Physically, he still has some maturing to do, but he's really talented. And he is the only guy ranked around the top 150 in this group. Looking ahead to 2025, not going to put a bunch of stock in the amount of commitments they have because it is so early. But they do have one defensive lineman in Davion Dixon. He's a good player out of Miami, Florida, ranked outside the top 350. But I don't really put that much emphasis on recruiting rankings in that class right now because he still has two full seasons of high school football left to play. But it does sort of continue this trend that I talked about in segment two. They just don't have a lot of highly rated defensive line prospects. Thank God they added Kingston Viliamu Asa in the class of 2024 because Notre Dame needed a real difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. D defensive side of the ball in this class, he's certainly one of them, but he's going to be playing in the middle. Notre Dame needs those guys on the defensive line. They do not have a defensive lineman committed who is in the top 150 players nationally right now. Logan Thomas could get up there for sure, but right now, I, that's just frankly not good enough. Now, that's not to say that some of these guys won't end up being very good, but it's risky. Yes, some of these projects could work out, but they, I think there's a lot of pressure to land an elite defensive line prospect in the class of 2025 because of the past misses. Whether that's fair or not, they have been really, really close with some really, really big-time prospects on the defensive line, but they just have not been able to finish and close with these guys and, and get them to commit to Notre Dame on signing day. So that's going to be a huge emphasis in 2025. Can Al Washington get one of these elite guys to commit to Notre Dame and stay with Notre Dame. Um, it, it, it's just, it's necessary, man. If you want to be competing with Alabama and Georgia, you got to do it in the trenches. And Notre Dame is, has got the offensive line down. They, they've got some really great players in the offensive line year in and year out. They've recruited the position really well. They have got to do it on the defensive line. 
there's going to be some more opportunities in 2025 to get more elite prospects, but losing out on Keon Keeley, Jason Moore, Justin Scott, and Elijah rushing stings. And, uh, you know, you miss out on one of those guys. Okay. You miss out on two damn, but missing out on all four is real tough. Cause all four of those guys were seriously considering Notre Dame. Uh, and Notre Dame was one of their finalists, but they weren't able to get a single one of them. You need to get at least one of those guys pretty much every single year to compete at the very top. Now, does that mean that Notre Dame's defensive line is going to fall off a cliff because they haven't signed these guys? No. I just went back and showed you that even if they're not top 150, they can still be really good college players. But we're not looking for really good. We're looking for great. And uh, I'm really hopeful that Al Washington or whoever is the defensive line coach come signing day next year is able to get one or maybe even two elite defensive line prospects. I know that might sound crazy, but it's what is necessary to compete for the national championship. They're one in the trenches, and now getting after the passer is almost as important as passing. It's not as important as getting a great quarterback, but Notre Dame has been recruiting that position really well. So they're getting there. They're recruiting the the most important positions on the entire field in this modern game well, but they are they're lacking on the defensive line. But going back to the beginning, I still think that this defensive line in 2023 could be solid. It could be better than expected. They could exceed expectations, but I still think they're a bit away from being elite. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for making this your first listen today. On the way out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the pod and follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Irish on Instagram at Lockdown Irish pod and my personal Twitter account at Tyler W O J C I A K. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow. See you then.